solo and group clinicians alike are buzzing about Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals. With live customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and an extensive feature library, Therapy Notes is sure to streamline your workflow, giving you time to care more and worry less. Try them for two months free using promo code MODERN today. Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. It's time to reimagine therapy and what it means to be a therapist. We are human beings who can now present ourselves as whole people with authenticity, purpose, and connection, especially now when therapists must develop a personal brand to market their practices. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with my co-host Katie Vernoy. Today we're joined by Jeanette Tolson. She is a licensed clinical social worker in New York, and Jeanette is here to talk to us about a couple of things. One is working in a smaller town, a smaller environment. The other is that within that smaller community, she is also a sex therapist. Welcome to our show, Jeanette. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to talk to both of you. Yeah, I'm so excited too. I know that you and I had talked a little bit and I just love what you're doing. Tell us about your clinical practice and who you work with. My practice is a private pay practice specializing in sex therapy, relationships, couples, trauma, and substance use disorders. And where are you located? My practice is located in Oneonta, New York, which is upstate. It's about three and a half to four hours from New York City. And how big is Oneonta? It's considered to be a smaller city. We both live in Los Angeles, so a smaller city to us could be really anything. So, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, we're about an hour from Albany, which is the capital of New York, and it's much smaller than that. What are some of the unique challenges that you face in working with your population in such a small area? In general, in the area that I live in, Oneonta is probably the biggest town. Um, mm-hmm. The rest of the area is very, very rural. And so in general, access to mental health is very limited and access to specialists is even more limited. And so most of the therapists around here are generalists because I think part of it is most people believe that's the only way they can fill their practice. And there are so many people with different issues that they might be dealing with that therapists want to be able to treat everyone. And so it's very difficult to actually find somebody who specializes in a particular disorder or specializes in a particular type of therapy in this area. Most people have to travel an hour or an hour and a half away to be able to get to somebody who specializes in a particular issue that they're dealing with. How did you come upon your specialty? That's an awesome question. <laughs> a little a little sideways. My career started in substance use disorders. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I found when I was working with individuals who were dealing with substance use disorders was that primarily they were being told not to have relationships. Nobody actually taught them how to have healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. And then as a part of that healthy sex, many people who are dealing with substance use disorders often have had sexual encounters that 
have, where they were using. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, they don't quite know how to navigate sex without using. So that's definitely one of the gaps that I found when I was working in a clinic dealing with substance use disorders. And when I decided I wanted to open a private practice, I had listened to a lot of podcasts that talked about Mm -hmm. niching. And I thought, you know, what, what is it that I can do that would really meet a need in our area that I'm brave enough to do? Most Mm -hmm. people probably don't know if they want to say that they're a sex therapist. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You have to explain what that means often. I found that would be a really good niche to bring to the area. I knew there were a lot of people who could use that. And as I started working in sex therapy, found that specializing in couples was an even better way to really niche because many therapists work with couples, but they Mm -hmm. don't necessarily like working with couples. They do it because (laughs) there are a lot of people who enjoy that population, primarily because it's challenging to navigate. Mm -hmm. You have two clients in the room, two physical clients, and then a third client of the relationship. So navigating all that. And I tend to enjoy a lot of stimulation at once. And so having to navigate all of those things at once really is fulfilling for me. So that's kind of how I decided in private practice that I was going to do sex therapy and specifically work with couples. I have to imagine in a small town that in my imagination, that's everybody knows each other. Everybody knows everybody's business. I'm sure that having the reputation is, hey, it's that sex lady that (laughs) there's some dual relationship stuff that you have to work around there. How do you do that in, in a smaller town? I love that you're asking that because that's one of the other things I was going to say about being in a small area. We all know that there are dual relationships, but in this area, I've lived here my whole life. So most people, when I walk in the bank, they know my first name. They know exactly who I am and they know exactly what I do. So sometimes people will directly ask me questions about it (laughs) because I am the sex lady and they might ask questions that they wouldn't ask other people because this is what I do. I imagine that could get pretty awkward. It does get pretty (laughs) awkward. (laughs) And you have to be really quick with it on your feet to say some Mm -hmm. funny things to kind of avoid questions you might not want to answer. But in general, when people reach out to me, often they heard about me through someone that knows me or a client who I have seen before. And we all know that that might happen, that we might cross paths with a client when we go to the store. Mm -hmm. But here it happens almost every day. And so instead of just avoiding dual relationships, I really have to take each situation and consider how do I know the person? How might our paths cross? And have a conversation with them about what that might look like and whether it's feasible to provide treatment to that person or whether they really need to see a different person. And I might be able to provide some consultation to that therapist some specific sex issues that they might not be familiar with. So it's a little bit more interesting to navigate. I would imagine, how do you decide that someone is in or out? Like what are some of the things that you consider when making a choice if you're going to see somebody or not? Anytime the person and I would cross paths on a regular basis, weekly or even monthly, depending on what their position is or where I might know Mm -hmm. them from. And I can't do anything to change that. So Mm. for example, I referred to the bank And just so you know, all of the client uh, hypothetical situations that I'm sharing are Mm -hmm. not actual situations. They're either hypothetical or a mishmash of some other information. Let's say a person from the branch that I typically visit Mm -hmm. were to call me and say Mm -hmm. that they wanted to come have therapy. If it were feasible for me to never go to that branch and always make sure that I went to another branch, which if that person switched positions, Mm -hmm. then I would be more willing to take that person on Mm -hmm. after that person and I 
had a conversation discussing what that would feel like if they happen to get called that morning to fill in at a branch that I've switched to and they see me, what that would feel like Mm -hmm. and to make sure that that person feels comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. But if a person in my personal doctor's office wanted to come, I may not be able to see that person because that would require such a larger disruption to my life that may not be feasible. Totally makes sense. I think there's the piece of of having to move doctor's offices, but potentially that person has access to your medical records. And so it would be something where there's the depth of the dual relationship would be so much greater in that situation. So I think that's a good way to distinguish it is kind of, can you navigate the relationship going forward? Certainly. And to make sure that whatever way we're going to cross paths, that I would never have some type of power over that person in the other Mm -hmm. type of relationship. For example, if it were a staff person at one of my children's schools, Mm. that might also be another interesting thing to consider because if my child potentially would have that teacher, they might feel unable to bring up an issue to me. Mm -hmm. about my child if I have been their therapist. Therapy Notes not only combines billing, scheduling, and notes into one easy-to-use software, they now also offer group telehealth, up to 15 clients in a group session at a time, and secure messaging features. And with their 24-7 customer service, they're ready to assist you no matter where your practice takes you. Therapy Notes allows you to do it all. Whether you're a solo clinician or part of a group practice, you'll have all the tools for success at your fingertips with Therapy Notes. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. You bring up an interesting thought that I hadn't really considered before, but with such a niche that seems to be off topic a lot to even the adult population, how do you imagine that your kids handle when the other kids on the playground are finding out what mom does? (laughs) (laughs) My husband and I are both sex therapists, so that makes it even more complicated. Wow. We talk about a lot of the issues that we think are important in general. So my kids, it's a little bit more normalized as far as consent, Mm -hmm. or I have a older daughter who's out of the house now, and then an 11 year old and a nine year old. So certainly stages and ages make a difference, (laughs) right? About what we share. So the younger children know that I help people with their feelings Mm -hmm. and that we have control over our own bodies and we decide who touches them and, you Mm -hmm. know, those types of things. And so as they get older and hear more things from other kids and hear some of the podcasts (laughs) (laughs) and read blog posts, I'm sure the questions will come up. Other children certainly might say things. And I've really tried to foster an open conversation with the kids so that Mm -hmm. if they have questions, we can talk about it. I don't know if that really answered your question, Kurt. (laughs) Yeah, it really does. And I imagine that there might even be some parents of, you're not allowed over to Jeanette's house. She talks about that thing that we don't talk about. You know, that may come up. You never know. But it sounds like really in the way that you've created your practice, you are respected in your community and people are seeking you out and you actually potentially have to refer people out because of the nature of the relationships. And so to me, it sounds like you've been able to really create a strong personal brand around being the therapist who helps couples and you help them with 
one of the most oftentimes vulnerable things that people deal with, which is sex. And so to me, it seems like it probably isn't something where your kids are getting teased for what their parents do, but more you're kind of a, a respected member of the community. What are some of the things that happen in smaller towns that maybe other people that who live in big cities like Curtin Me out in LA that we wouldn't recognize would impact being a therapist? Well, one thing that we've been talking a little bit about that is really a positive is all of those relationships mm-hmm. that we already have. So I've been working in the community for a long time in substance abuse, which is another taboo topic often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I spent a long time figuring out how to navigate that with people that I knew in the community. And many people knew that I was transitioning into private practice. Mm-hmm. And I was actually able to leverage that networking to yeah. um, really have a successful practice. That's great. Yeah. I think you and I had talked before that a lot of people said there's no way that you're going to be able to build a practice without taking insurance. How did you figure that out? How did you move forward when you decided to create this practice? It sounds like you leveraged networking, but what else did you do? How did you make this thing work? One of my favorite things to do is to prove people wrong. So when people, <laughs> I love it. I love it. When people say you absolutely can't do that, I say mm-hmm. there must be a way and I have got to find it. Awesome. I love that. So I knew that niching was important and wanted to make sure I communicated to people what it was specifically that I did and why. I was different than what was already available. When speaking opportunities came open, I tried to pitch myself to be able to share what I had to offer so that people would understand what was available in the mm-hmm. community. The other piece that I think was really important was to stay true to what I really wanted to do instead of conform to what I thought I was supposed to do. Oh, what perfect. I- <laughs> <laughs> So for me, that meant not just taking every particular client and issue mm-hmm. and being creative in how I was going to pay the bills until I filled my practice. So I don't that know if that takes, makes sense. Oh, it totally does. That takes so much courage because I think really there's an overarching, I think, momentum around generalists in your area. A lot of people will take every client that comes their way when they first start, but it sounds like you really decided, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to make sure that I really strongly brand myself as a sex therapist. How did you describe what you do to your community? Because I'm assuming there was some personal relationships to navigate around that. And there was also kind of some education for the community to do. So how do you talk about what you do? I often will use sex therapy as an opening to Mm -hmm. ask people what they think it means so that I can tell them what it means. Mm -hmm. Most -hmm. people think that all we talk about are the actual sexual acts that people might do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And most of what we talk about is actually childhood history, trauma history. How did you learn about about sex? How did you learn to communicate what you want, what you don't want? Mm -hmm. How important connection and closeness is, other types of touching that don't include sexual acts, which really helped people understand that it's actually a really broad, there are broad things that we talk about. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you're really talking about all the different aspects of intimacy and then also people's history with sex and being able to have people use language express themselves, communicate to make those, those intimate connections. Yes. 
That's exactly right. And to really be comfortable in talking about sex yourself, to just really normalize a lot of the questions that might seem too taboo to come up just in everyday mm-hmm. life. You're talking about something that really hits the overarching theme of our podcast here, which is really bringing in some of the personal aspects and really embracing the uniqueness of you. And we always appreciate when people are already doing what we're preaching to everybody else. So congratulations <laughs> on that. Thank you. <laughs> What else do you see that you think that a lot of therapists are taught incorrectly or that a lot of therapists are getting wrong? I just want to emphasize staying true to where you do your best work because the few times that I've taken on a case where I'm like, you know, I could do this and it didn't feel as soul filling Mm -hmm. as other cases, I said to myself, this is why I niche and this is why I have to stay true. So that's one piece. A particular story could be compelling and you really want to take that client on or you feel like, you know, I just have one more spot I need to fill. So really staying true to really what you want to do. Thinking outside the box. So most of us think about traditional therapy in an office Mm -hmm. to really consider is taking some teletherapy courses and expanding my practice in that way, something Mm -hmm. that would help me Mm -hmm. do what I want to do, be authentic and build my practice at the same time. Being creative and how you fill your practice would be another idea. I think that's great. I think a lot of people try, they are too afraid to be creative or stick only with what they believe they should do, which is conform. Let's just do what's typical. Let's have a general practice. I don't want to turn anyone away. And you're really, your experience in a place where I'm assuming it's fairly difficult to build a, you know, a large private pay practice is quite the opposite. It's really holding strong to this niche, holding strong to, to what feels good to you. And And getting creative, it sounds like. Yeah, thank you. And it didn't happen overnight. I think Mm -hmm. I'll say that as well. That it probably took me two years to get really comfortably at the number of clients weekly that I wanted to be seeing. Mm Part of that was that probably I took on a few other outside jobs to make sure I was, you know, meeting, making ends meet where I could Mm -hmm. have spent more time networking or having a more open schedule that might have made a difference in how quickly I built, but sticking with it, being persistent, not taking Mm -hmm. that as evidence that it won't be successful, knowing that you're on the right path and the slow growth to the practice that you really want is going to be the best for you in the long run. Yeah. One of the really common themes that we're hearing from a lot of our guests and even in the way that Katie and I built our practice is that you can fill a practice very full of the wrong clients for you. And Mm -hmm. you can chase the dollars, but there really does seem to be a dollar amount that just organically comes in having a happy practice of people that you enjoy working with versus dreading going into the office and working with clients that might not necessarily be your favorite. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And filling it with a client population that isn't your favorite doesn't really fulfill part of the reason why people go into private practice. Mm -hmm. We want to go to work and feel fueled and energized and really enjoy what we're doing. We can certainly take an agency job and be assigned clients. Thryzer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thryzer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate up front. From the client's perspective, Thryzer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. 
From there, Thrizer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thrizer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thrizer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Now, I think the other piece that I really was hearing what you were saying too, Jeanette, is, is that in taking these clients that fit into your niche, you're also really taking clients that you serve best. So it's not even just like, hey, I'm chasing the dollars, but it's also, I'm fearful that I won't get the clients that I want. So I'm going to take clients that I'm not going to treat as well because I don't have that specialty there, right? Right in my sweet spot. And so then, you know, you're doing less than optimal work and that feels really bad. Definitely. That doesn't make me feel like a really genuine clinician. I would say that now the majority of my referrals actually come from previous clients. Oh, that's great. So that's, that, that really speaks to your skill. And it, then it definitely reinforces doing, seeing the clients that you're going to do the best work with so that you mm-hmm. can do the best work. They feel satisfied with their <laughs> you know, provider yes. and then they refer. Exactly. And they can speak directly to the type of work that you're going to do versus somebody coming to them with a totally different problem. Like you know, clients who aren't in your niche are not going to refer other clients clients in your niche. So it kind of it's kind of this domino effect of getting clients that don't suit you. That's a really good point. What one question I have is my assumption is that there's, you know, kind of a local professional or, you know, organization or population that you interact with and and maybe they were some of the folks that were the doubters saying that you have to have a general practice, that kind of stuff. How have you navigated those relationships as far as referral relationships or or other things that, you know, with it being such a small population of people? One thing that might be unique about a smaller area like this one, we don't have that I'm familiar with meetups or networking events that are specific to clinicians. We do have local chamber of commerces that people sometimes join, which allow you to network a bit. So informally, thank goodness we have Facebook and Facebook Mm -hmm. groups. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And those therapists locally who are on Facebook, we have at times had periodic meetings where we can share what we do, what we'd like to see improve as far as in mental health in this area. So in some of those meetings, that's been helpful to have those connections with other providers. Additionally, most of the networking was really one-to-one and people who had already heard my name or knew my name from previous jobs that I've had in the area. So it didn't seem strange to them when I would call and let them know that I had been opening a practice to let them know what my specialty would be and then to ask them who are their favorite clients to work with so that I could also refer back to them. Because I think I also had to kind of do a little bit of a brand shift because most people knew me as primarily a substance use clinician. So it was helpful for them to know that I still treat individuals who have substance 
substance use disorders, but I have this new specialty as well that's new to the area. Do you find that the general population in the more rural area is still hesitant to embrace mental health as a treatment? Maybe not so much now that you have a specialty in a thriving practice, but when you were first launching, when you kind of take the bird's eye view of your overall area, do you still see a hesitance to embrace mental health treatment? Certainly, that still definitely comes up and was part of the reason that I chose not to participate with insurance companies. When I work with couples, most of them, their diagnosis would be relationship distress. And I treat them as a couple. I don't choose one person to be the primary Mm -hmm. client. So I try to display that prominently on my website and my FAQs to explain that people won't have a diagnosis when they come in hopes that more people will reach out. I think framing it as communication or relationship struggles helps people to feel like, oh, this is something that I can work on versus Mm -hmm. coming in and having a diagnosis might still feel very intimidating. I also have to imagine that living in a small town that you're probably pulling clients from nearby towns as well. I almost wonder in Los Angeles, if it's not 75 and sunny, it's 90 and sunny or 100 and blazing hot. You have weather in New York. How does that affect things like your cancellation policies as, you know, people get snowed in? That's a great question. For the most part, most people in upstate New York are not very intimidated by driving and weather because we have it so frequently. I think we're getting a storm in the next week or so. So mm-hmm. it will be starting very soon. We get scared of clouds down here sometimes. But... Yeah. It's always funny when I've driven from New York into Pennsylvania and they have signs by the bridges that say the bridge freezes first. I'm like we already know this in New York. <laughs> So for the most part, people still make it in to treatment. But I think that's the other reason why I thought it would be good for me to learn how to do telehealth and be able to offer that as an option so Mm -hmm. that people can still work with me even if they get snowed in. Mm -hmm. I do have a pretty strict cancellation policy, but I do have wiggle room for things like weather. So if there's a significant enough amount of freezing rain or something like that, Mm -hmm. I, I am flexible and will work with people. What are some of the challenges you face with using telehealth for sex therapy? That's something that I I hadn't actually thought about. That seems like that would be a little bit interesting. Yeah. So I have not had a sex therapy client with telehealth yet. I have Mm -hmm. done some substance abuse, harm reduction Mm -hmm. work, and I'm still navigating what the telehealth will look like with couples and with sex Mm -hmm. therapy. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that is something that I'm thinking about is in the room, sometimes you can just get a sense that someone is feeling something when Mm -hmm. their partner's talking about something. And that will be very hard to read in telehealth. And Mm -hmm. I think for me is the one piece that's making it tricky for me to actually move to that step. But that's my next thing that I'm working on. I would imagine having telehealth available for some of the folks around you would be helpful since when we talked, you're the only sex, you and your husband, I guess, are the only sex therapist for an hour drive around you. So exactly. I'd imagine telehealth might be pretty welcome for some folks. Yeah. So how have the other therapists in your area responded to your practice now that you're busy and thriving? Most of them are very surprised that I am busy and full and not taking insurance. And I try to share with them niching and the different things 
things that I've learned about how to make a private pay practice work. Mm -hmm. And many of them are worried about taking the plunge and disconnecting from insurances. So it's very interesting that people set it up front. And even though I'm successful and things are going well, they're still nervous to do it themselves. Fear is real. It is. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much for taking time to talk with us. If people want to get in touch with you, whether it's your local folks uh, wanting to seek services or other people that would like to consult and connect with you on your success in practice, but also on your specialty, how can we get in touch with you? The best way to get a hold of me is to check out my website, www.JeanetteTolsonLCSW.com. There's a lot of information there about my practice Mm -hmm. and my phone number if people want to connect with me and my email as well. Great. We'll have that in the show notes for everybody listening. And please make sure that you check out our social media, Facebook, Twitter, and our webpage, mtsgpodcast.com. You're going to see some of our upcoming workshops and conferences that we'll be hosting in the Los Angeles area, including our very exciting Therapy Reimagined conference that will be happening in October of 2018. And until next time, I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy and Jeanette Tolson. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. Thanks to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, use promo code MODERN for two free months. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions.